Hello, my name is Isaac Keith Martinez, and welcome to Isaac's Haunted Beard. Okay, today we're going to be talking about the 1990 film Misery, which is based on the 1987 novel of the same name by Stephen King. All right, I'm just going to jump right into the plot here just to remind you all what happens in Misery. I'm not going to go into great details. I know this is one of the more popular Stephen King adaptations. I feel like everyone's seen Misery. But how long has it been since you've seen Misery? I recently rewatched Misery, and a few things popped into my mind. I also did a little digging on the internet, found out some neat little factoids I'd like to share with you, and... As you know, I enjoy spending time with all of you people out there here in <laughs> podcast land. So let's use misery as an excuse to hang out, shall we? Paul Sheldon is a famous novelist known for a series of romance novels featuring a character named Misery Chastain. Paul's in Colorado having just finished writing the manuscript for his new novel, which is his first post-misery novel. Now, Paul had previously written what would become the last in the series of novels featuring the Misery character as Misery, Chastain, dies in this book, a book that is about to become published. So, in this in-between time between Misery's final novel being published and uh, Paul's next novel, he is in Colorado, writes his first book. It's a return to his original love. He doesn't really love writing the Misery books. He's lost his fire for that for that brand. Uh, he's really eager to put that behind him and move forward. And, and he just did. He just finished his first uh, post-misery book. And he did it where he writes all his books at a hotel in Colorado. And this is where the movie starts. And he leaves the hotel and there's a blizzard. And as he leaves... Paul gets into a car accident, but he is rescued by a woman named Annie Wilkes, who we soon learn, as Paul does as well, is his number one fan. She's thrilled to be taking care of him, as she's also an ex-nurse. When the new Misery novel is released, she buys it, she reads it, and she's pissed. <laughs> she's pissed to find out that Misery has died. Hey, guess what? Annie Wilkes is cuckoo bananas. Because she forces Paul to write a whole new novel that will bring Misery back to life. And now, Paul becomes a prisoner more than a patient. Because if he doesn't do what she wants him to do, she can make life very difficult and very painful for Paul Sheldon. And this is a story that mostly takes place in one room between two characters. 
which for some might sound a little boring, but if you've seen it, and I'm pretty sure you have, you know that this is a very intense story. I recently revisited Misery on April 9th. I bet some of you might wonder, how does he know exactly, how does he remember exactly what day he, he watches these movies? Well, I'll tell you. Because being the true movie dork that I am, I got me a movie calendar. Actually, it's not a literal calendar. I just, I just write the, the days that I watch movies on, on the images of calendars that I save on my computer for various reasons. <laughs> None of them important. No good reason. Uh, it's part of my craziness. Just go with it, folks. So... The day that I watched Misery, I didn't actually plan to watch Misery. Not that I plan to watch every movie that I watch. I do sometimes. Not that night. That night, my only intention was to finally check out the film The Fanatic, which is a movie starring John Travolta and Devin Sawa, and it's directed by Fred Durst, and it's a movie about a fan whose obsession... Uh, goes too far, and it's it's similar to Misery. And I had heard this movie was, um, well, you can't. I personally can't rely on what I hear on the internet because I, I often find that my opinion tends to be different from what a lot of people think about stuff. So I always like to check it out for myself, which is a lesson for you out there. Not that you need to be taught a lesson, but that's just my. That's just my advice. If if everyone says, oh, that movie's garbage, don't watch it. I say if you've wanted to see the movie, you should still see it. There's no guarantee that a movie's going to suck to you just because everybody else's it sucks. I actually thought The Fanatic was good, and it was a movie that was roasted on Twitter, and a lot of people were making fun of it. And it just felt like something that... And this is just my opinion. It just felt like something that people wanted to make fun of. Um, actually found myself really kind of depressed when the movie was over. It I took the movie and the story very seriously, and I thought it was very sad. And when it was done, I found that an easy way to uh, get back into a good mood would be to watch another movie. But <laughs> I didn't think it would be um, wise to pair The Fanatic with just any old movie. I, I still feel like I was committed to, you know, well, if you were to book The Fanatic in a movie theater, what would you pair it with? Well, I mean, it had similarities to Misery. So I thought, eh, I hadn't seen Misery in a while. Why not watch Misery? And that's why I watched Misery on April 9th. I didn't plan it, but I watched it. And as it turned out, as dark and depressing as a movie like Misery is, it actually did uh, lift my spirits after being kind of depressed after seeing The Fanatic. Uh, probably just because it was familiar territory for me. You know, it's a movie that I'd seen before. I already knew that I liked it. I already knew how I felt about it. And it was comforting to revisit it, which is weird that horror fans have that, that horror movies can be comfort films for us because 
I don't know. I guess it's a different reason for different people, but part of it is familiar territory that you're, you're not really in suspense. You're not, well, maybe you, you might re-experience some of the same feelings when you watch it. But I think a lot of us have that comfort of knowing what's going to happen next. So we don't really get scared. Um, do I like misery? <laughs> yes, I do like misery. I don't love misery, <laughs> which is kind of like the last episode I did when I talked about the Amityville Horror remake from 2005, where I admitted that I didn't really love the movie. I just liked the movie. Yeah, same thing. Like, I like Misery. I think it's really good. I think it's better than the Amityville Horror remake. <laughs> but, uh, hey, yeah, I'll take any excuse to talk to you guys. I enjoy your company. Because Misery loves company. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Misery is a movie that is an adaptation of a Stephen King novel. I do like Stephen King movies. I do like Stephen King books. I, I don't regard myself as an expert of either Stephen King's books or his movies, but I have seen a handful of his movies, and I have read a handful of his books, and I pretty much like everything I've ever experienced from the world of Stephen King. Among my favorite Stephen King movies are Carrie, the Brian De Palma film, The Shining, the Stanley Kubrick film, which is so Stanley Kubrick ish, <laughs> esque, whatever, <laughs> that it doesn't even really feel like a Stephen King film. It feels less like a Stephen King film and more like a Stanley Kubrick film, but it's still considered, it's still a, Stan, a Stephen King book movie. <laughs> so it counts, right? Uh, and uh, this is one that I love a lot. And I love it so much, I'm always surprised that it's considered a bad movie. But I love Maximum Overdrive. Uh, I've done a YouTube video expressing my love for Maximum Overdrive, which you can find on my YouTube channel, which is also called Isaac's Haunted Beard. Check it out. Some of the underloved, under-talked-about Stephen King movies that I enjoy include 1408, starring John Cusack, The Mangler, and Graveyard Shift. I think those are all pretty cool movies. Uh, something that Annie Wilkes says to Paul, which I always found a little unusual based on the phrasing, is, I'm your number one fan. I just don't understand why you would say it that way. Is it because she's unusual? Is that supposed to be one of the hints that she's different? Because I think that what what you'd expect someone to say is, I'm your biggest fan. I'm your biggest fan. But to say, I'm your number one fan, that's almost kind of childlike. I'm your number one fan. <laughs> she might be number two, but I'm number one. <laughs> so... When I was a kid, I had two specific memories of discovering or just kind of like having Stephen King as a name uh, kind of become a part of my consciousness, just something that I knew existed and, and was curious about and wanted to 
learn more about his world because I was into horror films. And before I got into reading, and I will admit to this day, I've never been a big reader, which I'm not bragging about. I wish I had that ability to read more. I know I would get a lot out of it, and I have read books, but it takes forever for me to finish a book. And I also have a lot of different interests, so I find that it can be difficult to kind of uh, experience everything that you have an interest in. So I tend to focus most of my time and energy on movies, and then everything else kind of comes afterwards. Uh, but there was definitely a time where, as a horror movie fan, uh, Stephen King was such a famous and popular name that I, I was definitely curious about wanting to read his books. And one of the things was, I remember going to the shopping mall with my folks and they would go and do their thing <laughs> and say, Hey, uh, you go to a store that you want to hang out with. And while we go shopping, and then we'll come get you afterwards. And in retrospect, that might sound um, <laughs> like a bad parenting, like a bad decision. But I think I think a lot of it had to do with me, that I was trustworthy. Granted, the world around me may not be trustworthy, so maybe that was foolish on their part. But here I am telling the story, so nothing, nothing bad ever happened. But what I used to do is, I used to like to spend time in the bookstore. And... I could spend a lot of time in the bookstore. I can look at the magazines. There were sections in the store that I really enjoyed where I can just sit down and read the books. And then sometimes I just liked staring at the covers of books, which is very similar to when I was a kid. I liked going to video stores and just staring at the covers of the movies. As a kid, I really enjoyed going into bookstores and going into video stores more than I enjoyed going into toy stores. Cause with toy stores, I, I wasn't like fascinated with just staring at all the toys. I pretty much knew which toys I wanted. So if I went into a toy store, it was with the, you know, the agenda, like I need to get this. I'm not really interested in like seeing the whole store, grab it. Mom, will you buy this for me? And then you your nay. And then hopefully it's yay. And then you buy it, leave. You didn't want to spend time in there, but I liked spending time in bookstores and spending time in video stores. And one of the things I liked doing in the bookstore was going to, I learned where Stephen King's books were. And I just liked looking at the covers. I thought the, the covers were fascinating and the covers were scary looking. And I just tried to picture what do these stories feel like? Like what is the book that has that cover uh, read like, like, what's it like? So it's very mysterious. I really, really wanted to see, I really wanted to read, excuse me, Stephen King's books. Cause I knew he was scary and the covers were really neat looking. The other thing was I had a friend that I was very close to where I'd go to his house and hang out with him all the time. Sometimes I'd sleep over and his dad was a big Stephen King reader. And I remember whenever Stephen King book came out, he'd buy it right away. And he, 
he just kind of walked around the house while holding the book, like walking and reading, like then he'd come to the breakfast table while we're eating breakfast and all the kids are talking and da 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 da. And he was just kind of ignore us and just have his head in the book. And I'd look up and see the cover and I was convinced whatever he was reading must be fascinating. So <laughs> the first time I read Stephen King, I asked my mom to buy me a Stephen King book. And what I chose was Night Shift because I, as a kid, wasn't ready to take on a novel yet. It seemed overwhelming. So I chose Night Shift because it was a collection of short stories. And she bought it and I, I read it and I loved it. And I still have that copy to this day. So it was immediately after Night Shift that I wanted to try a novel. So I picked Misery because it was brand new. It had just come out. So I asked her if she would buy me Misery. Uh, actually, at the time... Um, Christmas was coming up. I, I don't remember. I guess I could have looked this up before I did this podcast. I don't know if it came out in December or not, but I just remember that was the time that I had asked for it. And I did get it. I mean, I got some other stuff as well, but I got Misery on hardcover as a kid for Christmas. And I read it and I enjoyed it. And, and I still have that copy as well. And I moved on to collecting more and more of Stephen King's books. So there's my story. Uh, the very first novel I've ever read by Stephen King was Misery. Uh, because I read the book, I'd, I'd read the book before I saw the movie. Um, one particular scene I want to bring up in the movie and compare it to the book was the hobbling scene, which is the scene where Annie Wilkes uh, hits Paul's ankles with the sledgehammer. In the book, she amputates his feet. And being a kid, you know, everything, you know, the more extreme something is, the more I dig it, especially as I was starting to get older. Some of the other things I was getting into was like heavy metal music, as well as my growing interest in horror films. So, you know, everything had to be extreme. Uh, so, you know, cutting someone's feet off, ooh, that's awesome, right? So when you saw it in the movie, when I saw it in the movie and she doesn't cut off his feet, I was disappointed. I still like the movie, but, you know, I was like... Ah, oh, in the book, she cuts off his feet. She just hits it with a sledgehammer. It's not as cool. I completely changed my mind. I look back at that, and I think I was wrong. And and I guess that's just like saying Stephen King was wrong. I'm sure if I were to reread the book, it would still read very well, very dramatically, very compelling. But I look at the movie now, I think it's better that she doesn't amputate his feet. I think it's kind of more intense that she, there's something final, you know, about cutting someone's feet off. Just kind of wounding them. It's almost like, uh, like a warning, like, it's not final. It's as though you're saying, like, this is awful, but it's not final. It can get worse. So I actually really like, and it just looks so intense, right? That scene where you see the sledgehammer connect with the foot and then the foot goes the other direction and then you see it again with the other foot it really looks realistic it's really intense because at that point in my life i had already seen movies where people get stabbed and they get cut so things with with sharp objects with knives and machetes i was already used to it 
So maybe if I had seen it, it, it would have been like, you know, not as intense because it somehow feels uh, more fake. Especially considering if you try to relate to a movie, you're fairly certain you're going to live the rest of your life without ever getting amputated or stabbed or, you know. Uh, but there's something about getting hit with a sledgehammer that you actually can picture. You can picture that pain in your mind so it feels more painful. It feels like something could happen to you similar to that that you could relate to. It's easier to imagine. The part of Annie Wilkes was played by Kathy Bates, who was an unknown at the time, but everyone knows who she is now. She's famous. She won an Academy Award for playing Annie Wilkes. And of all the movies that Kathy Bates is in, my favorite role is her role in The Waterboy as Mama Boucher. Which should come as a surprise to no one who knows me, who knows that I worship Adam Sandler. So yeah, and I think Kathy Bates is super funny. And <laughs> The Waterboy, I think she's great. I remember when she won the Academy Award last year, um... Adam Sandler had congratulated her on uh, on Twitter, and and she responded, and they kind of spoke to each other in character as Bobby Boucher and Mama Boucher. It was very adorable. James Kahn plays the part of Paul Sheldon. I think a lot of people, when they think of James Kahn, they think of The Godfather. Uh, my favorite James Kahn movie is Thief. I think she, I think he's excellent in that. If I ever had to sell someone on why he's a good actor, I would I would show them the film Thief. And the only other real actor who gets a meaty part in the film is Richard Farnsworth, who plays Buster. And I always think of the film The Straight Story when I think of Richard Farnsworth. But I'm also I'm a big David Lynch fan, and David Lynch directed The Straight Story. So, of course, I would think of that movie. This movie was directed by Rob Reiner, who also directed the film Stand By Me, which is also based on a Stephen King story called, a short story called The Body. I had watched Stand By Me a couple months ago, and my big takeaway from seeing it a couple months ago was, you know, Ace, the character that Kiefer Sutherland plays, he has got a gang of, like, teenage delinquents. Uh, this is the first time I looked at that movie, and I went, hey, that's the guy from summer school, Dave. You know Dave and Chainsaw? Dave is one of the one of the members of his gang. You know, when I was a kid, before I saw I saw Stand by Me in the theater, but before I did, um, I had seen commercials for it on TV and didn't have any interest in seeing it. But then this one other kid from school told he went to go see it and he told me about it. But he didn't tell me anything about it. Like I didn't know anything about the plot. All he told me about was the pie eating scene. You know the um the story that's made up where the guy eats all the pies and then throws up on everybody on purpose. And that was so incredible to me that I went and asked my mom, oh, we got to see this movie, Stand By Me. It's supposed to be really good. And she did. She took me to see to see Stand By Me. And I liked it. <laughs> and I still like it. Anthrax. The heavy metal band Anthrax. I'm actually, I'm a fan of Anthrax. Or at least early Anthrax. I like older Anthrax from like the 80s and the early 90s with... Uh, Joey Belladonna on vocals, mostly. Uh, they have an album called State of Euphoria, which came out in 1988. On that album, they have a song called Misery Loves 
company and that song is based on the book because the book came out in 1987 and the album came out in 1988 with that song on it and that album predates the movie which came out in 1990 i remember in the chorus it goes misery loves company i'm your number one fan (laughs) you know i still have not seen the show castle rock on hulu i heard that season two serves as a prequel to misery i'm really looking forward to seeing that i'm not not gonna watch it i'm totally gonna watch it i heard in 2015 there was a play based on misery and the part of paul sheldon was played by bruce willis and the part of annie wilkes was played by laurie metcalf laurie metcalf a lot of people remember from roseanne i like her every time i see her in something i always wish she was in more things you know when i was watching misery this last time i remember thinking that it felt like a play, especially considering that uh, so much of it takes place just in one room. Like in a play, you could tell a story w- with just one room, right? Because you just have the stage to work with. Uh, I thought, I this would make a good play. And then I looked into it, and it turns out they did do it as a play. But it's interesting that Bruce Willis plays Paul in the play because when they were casting the part of Paul Sheldon when they were making this movie they had approached Bruce Willis and he turned it down they actually approached a lot of people to do this movie to play the Paul Sheldon part and they turned it down this list is very impressive um I'm gonna tell you who I found out was approached and and said no William Hurt Kevin Klein Michael Douglas, Harrison Ford, Dustin Hoffman, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Richard Dreyfuss, Gene Hackman, Robert Redford, Jack Nicholson, Denzel Washington, Mel Gibson, Morgan Freeman, and as I said, Bruce Willis. Of that list, the guys I could most picture doing it well, based on the character of Paul Sheldon, would be William Hurt, Richard Dreyfus, and Gene Hackman. Because I can, I can also picture them being authors, which is weird because I wouldn't necessarily picture James Caan playing an actor, uh, excuse me, an author, because I think of James Caan as kind of a tough guy. But um, he does a great job. And I guess that tough guy kind of presence that he has really works in his favor because towards the end of the movie, when he has to save himself and fight Annie, you know, even though he's, he's crippled, um, I think he's got that fighting spirit. He, He just feels that tough. Like if anyone can rise to the occasion and take on this monster, it's, it's someone like James Caan. Well, (laughs) if you'd like to watch, uh, misery, you know, I'd like to revisit misery. Uh, it's currently streaming on Hulu. If you're a subscriber of Hulu, if you want to collect misery, there's a Blu-ray that's available on amazon.com for $10. And there's a special edition, which is probably the one you want to get right. That one's $18. Here's a weird thing. The DVD is $25. What's up with that? I don't get it. Once again, maybe it's just some out-of-print disc and it's still priced a little higher than it should be. But it just feels like the kind of movie that if you went to like a Walmart or something, you could find it in a $5 bin 
you know, uh, and I'm sure it's available uh, for rental at all the usual digital spots. If you're really <laughs> interested, I know that you know how to find misery, but Hey, we did it. We got together again and we had a conversation about a movie without really getting too in depth about the movie. I just sometimes use the movie as an excuse to hang out with you guys. So I want to say thank you for hanging out with your old pal, Isaac and his haunted beard. I am truly grateful for your presence. And because you chose to hang out with me, that means that I am your number one fan. Aloha.